So I wrote a thing is a podcast for intellectual ladies and their very serious, very intellectual writings. Episode 1, Shrek 2 and Other Thoughts. C minor, darling, put it in C minor. <clears throat> so, this again. So, so, um, so, my name is Martha Poffin and I wrote a thing. Um, I'd just like to quickly say that this subject is actually really important to me um, and it's the first time that I've um, spoken about it in public. So um, any uh, sensitivity that you could afford me would be really greatly appreciated. <clears throat> so the title of this essay is Why Shrek 2 is a superior piece of filmmaking in comparison with its predecessor, Shrek number the one. I'd like to preface this essay by saying that both Shrek numero uno and her smarter, better in bed little brother Shrek numero dos are both incredible works of art in their own right. Not only are the soundtracks popping and the beats non-stopping, but because the latter films in this quadrilogy, not to mention Shrek the Halls and the numerous spin-offs that make you feel like you have eczema of the eyes, but because the latter films are so incredibly heinous, Shrek 1 and Shrek 2 stand apart as shining examples of what cinema and a donkey having sexual intercourse with a dragon can really do. The answer is quite a lot. I'll start with the most simple yet effective point. Shrek 2, if you'll pardon my French, has Fairy Godmother. Fairy Godmother is voiced by Jennifer Saunders of French and Saunders, Ab Fab and many other fames, but... The decision to cast J.S. as F.G. is quite possibly the greatest decision ever made. Her rendition of I Need a Hero in the third act of the film will, and has gone down in history as an absolute chitty-chitty bang-banger. A favourite of not only the gays, but a generation of women that simultaneously want to be, and be with, this bejeweled, mature, magic mistress, sexily singing on top of a pianoforte while her son is present, her son, Prince Charming, is a man that's trying to seduce a princess who is sometimes, when she feels like it, a large green ogre. I realise at this point that you may have never seen Shrek 1 or indeed Shrek Dos, so in summary I will, um, I'll break it down in three words for you. Google it. Bestiality. That's it in a nutshell, really. It's not just the character of of the fairy godmother with her infinite sassy and witty quips, but it's actually the cinematic sequence while fairy godmother is belting her bosoms off that is unparalleled in this current epoch of cinema. It's also the creation of Mongo, who is a giant gingerbread man. Please excuse the problematic name, but its reference to the creation of Frankenstein's monster is, without sounding sycophantic, absolute god-given genius. As is the use of frothed milk to stop Shrek and his boys from entering the castle. That bit where the cat makes that cute face that annoying people use as a gif all the time. The bit where the king, pardon me for spoilers ahead, but he gets absolutely fucking pelted in the chest by fairy godmother. All this and more. This sequence, to, to break it down for you, is essentially a man who used to be an ogre running through the streets accompanied by a horse that used to be a donkey and a Spanish cat donning over-the-knee laced booties. Need I ask for more? I may not have asked, but Shrek Due certainly gives it the big un, in the form of an epilogue 
that is to say, a three-minute, all-character version of Living De Vida Loca. <laughs> Even saying those words gives me chills, as it's the last thing I hear every night as I descend into slumber. Those fatal words piercing my subconscious. Puss and donkey, y'all. I'm, I'm not going to go into other sequels. I realise that, uh, that time on this earth is, is only fleeting. And um, Paddington 2 is objectively the best of all time. But Shrek 2's genius is the way that it built on the universe that its big daddy Shrek 1 created and enhanced it. <laughs> it's always a shame when your kids are better at things than you are, but it's just a fact of life. Do you hear that, Dad? <laughs> I'm only joking. My dad is dead. I could go on forever about the characters. Narrative, Jinji, the ugly stepsister, that weird pub that I would definitely frequent if I were lucky enough to exist in the Shrek universe. The music, animation, how utterly quotable it is and how utterly unquotable my friends and family find it. <laughs> so much so, they have threatened legal action. But look, if I can't say, I'm wearing ladies underwear at my niece's christening during the prayers, when can I? <laughs> But I'll just leave you with this. Three words on my obsession with Shrek 2, which is totally healthy and justified. Single. Forever. Bestiality. <laughs> I've been Martha Poppin. You've been you. And I am indeed wearing ladies' underwear. Thank you. So, my name is Rebecca Diaz, and I wrote a thing. This selection of poems is entitled, My Thoughts is Thoughts. Is it bad that when I kiss you, I question my sexuality? Doesn't it seem performative? Why can't I be mindful? Do I not like men, or do I not like you? Tune in to next week's episode to find out. I struggle to be in the moment. You lightly touch the back of my neck, but your hand is under my necklace, taut, and I can't stop thinking about the fact that you might break it. It's fragile, like my ego. So I pull you in closer to me, which you take as an invitation to tighten your grip. It's not what I was going for, but... It's an amiable result. That poem was called Choke. I like watching people break up in public places. An insight into the intimate, an invitation into their inner lives. And I wonder, would I learn more about them watching this private moment unfold in front of my very eyes, or by looking at the data collected on the technology I both love and despise? Is Sally a vegetarian, a veterinarian, a vocabularian, or a utilitarian? Is Nick filing his tax deduction, learning about sexual reproduction, planning for his liposuction, or seizing the means of production? I don't know, but he sure looks ugly when he cries. That poem was called Cookies. Working from home, more like wanking from home. That poem is currently untitled.
I have a daydream where I'm life modeling in an art class. There's an attractive man. He's drawing me. I gesture to my fully naked form, look him straight in the eyes and go, I'd say buy me dinner first, but I think we're past that. It would be so fucking smooth. That poem was called Untitled. The previous poem was untitled in the sense it did not have a title. This one does have a title, Untitled. In the restaurant, there is a tank. In the tank, there is a lobster. The lobster speaks to the other lobster. He says, This is just a temporary gig. I'm actually a writer. That poem is called Freelancing. I'm looking for something casual. Let me explain. I can recommend a TV show. You won't watch it, but you'll add it to a list on your phone and I'll feel accomplished. You can reply to my Instagram story of a leaf that looks like a lizard. You would say, it could be a lizard, you just have to believe. I would say, you're the best. We can bump into each other outside my old work, which is now near your current work. We would say, we need to grab a coffee sometime, and then not see each other for another year. Go for drinks? Oh no, I'm looking for something casual. That's more smart casual. Sex? Oh no, far too formal. Although, what are you wearing? That poem is called Nothing Too Serious. I want to Botox my ears. Then at my funeral they will say, She was kind, and she looked like a baby elephant. That poem was called Elephantum. A man on the tube thought I was pregnant. He offered me a seat. P. A taxi driver asked me, how many children do you have? Not if I have children, how many children I have. A. N. I. I'm one C away from panic, but I decide to channel that energy into something positive. So I have a panini instead. That poem was called, I'm not panicking. My houseplant is judging me. She doesn't say anything, but I can tell. She's got a dry sense of humour. Not because she's dehydrated, but that also happens to be true. She goes to very dark places. And sure, I should open the curtains from time to time, but that really doesn't play into this. She's so fussy. Fine, I could repot her, but she's just being dramatic, honestly. She's so demanding. I suppose I could give her new soil so she can grow. But the thing is, she's just being unreasonable as usual. She's so clingy. Yes, disappearing and not feeding for her for days isn't ideal. But the thing is, she's crazy. She's leaving me for someone else. 
I don't know what I did wrong. This poem was called Too Late. Thank you. So, I Wrote a Thing was a happy, happy production produced and directed by Eve Lytalis. The writers and performers were Martha Pothin and Rebecca Diaz.